0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Borelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And today, we're on the phone with the lovely and talented Stephanie Zavolis. Uh, our guest blogger. Hey, Stephanie, how are you? Good,
1: Dan. How are you? Thank to be much for having me.
0: No, thank you. And thank you for all that you've done for Project Purple. Uh, for those of you listening at home or at the gym or on your way to the office, uh, Stephanie's been a guest blogger here for us the last couple of weeks here at Project Purple on our blog, on our website. And it's been a pleasure, Stephanie, to get to know you and hear about your story and have you write Some inspiring stuff that I know uh, just looking at some of the metrics lately has just really kind of been pretty phenomenal for us. And uh, I just, first of all, want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to share your writing and and your story about, you know, your relationship with pancreatic cancer, unfortunately. So I really do appreciate that and uh, thank you for all that. Thank you. Thank
1: you for giving it to me. You know, I'm happy to... With such an unfortunate situation, I'm happy to put any, some sort of hope or, you know, some sort of positive outlook on something that was kind of horrific.
0: Well, I think, um, you know, you just said something that just really touched me. Hope and, and give people a positive outlook on something that's so horrific, because it is all horrific, and for our audience at home, Stephanie, why don't you share with them your experience with pancreatic cancer? Some of the people yeah, of listening may, may not have read your blog and may not know who you are, so here's your opportunity to share with our audience at home listening, you know, who you are and, you know, how you got to this point, um, you know, in your relationship with pancreatic cancer. Of course. Um, so, I am
1: 23 years old. I work in New York City, and uh, I'm going to be honest, I didn't even know pancreatic cancer was something that so powerful. Um, I uh, know of cancer, of course, I lost many young members. Um, it's a little timeline to kind of give, you know, listeners my background story. Um, in the 2001, I lost my aunt, uh, one of my godmothers. Uh, she had lung cancer. Uh, in 2006, I lost my grandmother to brain cancer. Um, I also had a cousin who had breast cancer twice. Um, and then after that, um, in 2015, uh, in February, February 8th, my other godmother, my aunt, passed away from leukemia. Uh, and it was not until so that point when I just realized I was losing and losing some cancer, but I started to hate it. I started to hate the word and hate everything associated with it. And then little did I know that um, just two weeks later, my mom would you know, uh, about the, you know, who's a battle to patriotic cancer. Uh, so it was about Valentine's Day of 2015. I was at school at Lincoln University. Um, you know, I was, my mom's and my best friend, we were texting, and you know, I was like, hey, what's going on? And she said, you no, know, uh, I'm just right on the couch. And I was like, well, that's weird, because you knew my mom, because I was, I've never heard her say that in my entire life. And I was like, right on the couch. You know, like, you just, you know, either cooking or baking or going to visit my other family or my brothers. And, so I knew something was going on and uh, a week later I found out that she was diagnosed uh, you know, with stage four cancer cancer and then the following week um, she passed away from it. So she really only had uh, this battle, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 days, not even. Uh, she was in a local New York City hospital where the physicians came out and, you know, left us with nothing, but just uh, they had their own questions because they've never heard of someone passing away so quickly and they you know, they're here for us and I remember, you know, now I remember that, but in the moment I didn't want anyone to speak to me uh, about anything. I didn't want to hear any stories from doctors. I just didn't even know what happened. I mean, it, I lost my aunt, had that pill, lost my mom, had her pill, and then I was like, wait, what just happened in these past two weeks to me and my family? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when I heard about Project Circle and I did a lot of research and I do what great things led do for others, events. I kind of found a love for writing. I, I found that my way to cope with this big loss in my life was to write it down. Um, you know, my family wanted me to go see a therapist, and then you know that might work for some people, but for me, it just it didn't work. Um, I went to one. I went to sessions, and I said, I can't do this. You know, it's the same questions are ask, How are you feeling? Um, are you sad? You know, and, and those are just obvious questions that are never going to change to me. So I just didn't want to waste my time and I didn't want to waste a therapist's time with my cheesy answers. So I figured let's put a pen first. And I felt like that's when my truth came out, the truth of losing a loved one came out. Um, I don't think anyone likes, you know, my biggest thing is I don't think anyone likes to talk about it, but you know, I'm on Facebook all the time reading articles about losing a loved one and I can't stop reading them because. They really hit home, and I feel as though the one article that I wrote about, you know, 11 things I learned after a parent. Um, that article I did for a project for school. My Twitter reader it hit uh, 25,000 shares in 24 hours, and in a week, it went up to 100,000 shares, and I didn't realize the scope of, you know, people out there are also are also going through something so similar. Um, the loss of a loved one is. Um, I can i something because it's always parent, you know, that's what I always say, it's, it's unimaginable and you don't think it's going to happen to you. And I do not think, the, you know, in my life I remember so vividly of a friend from town, her mother passed away when I was in uh, middle school. And I remember telling my mom, oh my god, like I feel awful for her, like she's a great old a girl who lost her mom and, you know, how terrible. And my mom was like, you know, you know, you have to be there for her, we're going to be there for her, that's all she needs, love and support. And then, like, here I am, a year later, and now I'm quote unquote that girl. And, and uh, I think you guys do such an amazing job with stuff like this, and your blog, and the post, and all the fundraising that you do. It's unbelievable. And, you know, it's, it's things like this that help someone keep going. Um, it, it, it sounds crazy, but, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Um, but I like to talk about it so that someone else can hear me. If that makes sense, I don't want to talk about it. If someone just came to me and said, "Hey, let's talk about it," I would say, uh, "No, thank you." But if someone said, "Hey, let's talk about it," because I have someone who's been through a distribution, I would say, "Let's for me," because I know what it's like firsthand, and I really hope um, to help someone else get through their, you know, their, their first hardest day or a milestone or a birthday or you know something like that. I've been through it all. And I've, you know, just passed two years. February, and I I know that feeling, and you know, like I experienced I said, you know, it may not be okay, but it just it, it will be okay eventually, and, and, and time is our greatest unfortunate gift uh, in this situation where time is really everything.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh it's pretty powerful stuff. I and mean, I've always said that people heal different ways you know, Steph, and, you know, sometimes it's through writing, sometimes it's through listening, sometimes it's through reading, and, and other times it's through some sort of physical activity, right, through running or something that was very therapeutic for me, but everyone is different, and I think every venue or format needs to be explored until you actually find that, because some people can go out and run and never feel that healing, you know, and and some people feel very healing through writing, you know, just in a journal or something like that, you know, and... You know, it's just uh, really powerful stuff. I have a question for you, and and just to go back a bit. So there's there's a question that I wrote down here. In all of your family's experience with cancer, which is just so rampant, and and we see this in multiple families where, you know, you, you can put two families together in a room and one has no incidence of cancer and then the other one has just multiple upon multiple cases of cancer, was there ever any talk about genetic testing with the family just because of the occurrences of cancer and how often and how just rampant it has become in your family? Has that ever yeah. been discussed?
1: Um, It definitely has and I'm going to tell you some of the doctors who are about I haven't ever shared with you yet, but I'm actually adopted. Um, I was adopted um, at three months old into a group family from Lebanon. So yeah. Again, thankfully, I don't have the blood relation to my family. Uh, you know, it was kind of, this is not a really funny story, but to kind of give people a laugh, um, I recently went to a physician's office, a new physician, uh, just for a checkup, and, you know, it was very odd. She asked me to write down my family history on a piece of paper. Now, usually when you go into the doctor's office, they ask her the question, you're not saying the yeah. But this doctor's handed me literally a blank piece of paper and was like, write it down. So. Here I am, you know, letting down all my history uh, with cancer, I said, my mom hates my aunt, you know, leukemia, lung, my grandmother brain. I mean, I mean, this was just on going. And I gave it to her and she had this look on her face of fear. Like, I, I could, you know, explain a look, it was fear, it was distraught, it was like, I just walked into my, my old, you know, grave and... I forgot to mention to her that I was adopted, so I, I, you know, cracked all those jokes, and I was like, "Well, if now is the time to tell you that I'm adopted," and uh, she wrote the papers. She But yeah, thank you for that. But you know, you made me really worried, and you know, we had a good conversation about genetic testing, and she really said, you know, she really is encouraging the young people to, you know, talk to their families, and, uh, and I I it, have it, it's something that is so powerful and so helpful to. You know, give people an insight of what their family history might have in store for them. You know, you may think that you know your family's okay, but what about you know your dad's side or your mom's side? And it's ongoing. And clearly, on my mom's side, you know, her sister, you know, I mean, her mother had cancer. She has cancer. I mean, it's just it's just very evident that genetics is involved a little bit. Um, And I feel as though I. I'm fortunate that I don't have the same bloodline, um, which I think makes my story a little different. You know, I have such a close bond with um, my mom, um, and it's crazy to see a picture of us. We look alike, and I remember my mom telling me that my pediatrician told us that Sometimes when you're little, you grow the same features as blah blah one as you grow older, which is crazy to think. But we do look alike, so can I can't say I'm adopted, Nobody believes me, <laughs> but um, I think genetic testing is so important. And, and actually, I just had a conversation with my family about it. About you know, because I don't know my roots, I think it's even more important for me to look into it because you know, I it, it, it's good to know and it's good to see. And it's a fear, you know. Don't get me wrong. That just the something that is. It's, and fear people. You know, why do they want to know? If they don't want to know something, or like the fear of the unknown, as people say. But if you can know, and if we you have, you know, people or doctors help prevent it or be
0: cautious of it, I mean, I think it's definitely an important conversation to have. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And I, I you know, as someone who's going through it myself, I I think it's. Uh, and we were just talking about this earlier. The more you know, the better off you are, and knowledge is power. So I, I totally yeah, can. Uh, I
1: agree with that 100.
0: Can agree to that statement. So being adopted, this is the only family you've ever known, and the only mom you've ever known. You know, you said it was seven days, or what was the duration? It was super quick, which is just so. It was
1: so quick. Um, so. Of I would say the 20th, uh, September 20th, she was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, and then um, the 26th she passed away from it. So um, it was I don't know, 10 days in the hospital. I mean, it was just That's it, mine. It, it was it was a movie. I swear it was a movie that I didn't plan. I didn't want to watch it. I, people just kept skipping to the end, and I just wanted to press pause and say like, what is going on? And I remember. You know, one of the physicians walked in and, and uh, I just had to ask, like, you know, how long did she have this fluid? How long was this disease dormant? And how long, you know, and like, he looked at me and said, you know, she probably had it for a year. I said, a year on the gun. And then I got into that, that was my injury. I'm like, I, you know, she's kidding me. Like, how did we not know we could have had the surgeries or we could have done treatment and chemo and whatever we could have done? And I said, what's the common sign? And he looked at me and said, that's exactly. it. Back pain. I was like, I thought it was joking. I mean, I thought the whole thing was a I was like, back pain. I have back pain. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I was like, I said, how, how difference you of back pain? because with it something heavy or back pain because you have a, a tumor you in your pancreas? I mean, that is mind blowing to me. It still is my, like, I'll
0: never know the answer to that, to be honest. But, um, was your mom you know it stuff before? Yeah. Like, I mean mean, yeah, you were at school, right? Were you commuting to school? Were you home for school? like? Were you? Uh... No, I um, I lived school at school up in
1: Westchester, so I I didn't I like see her before she got admitted to the hospital. I, last time, you know, I remember I was on like a break and yeah, I was gathering, and then and remember, life was normal
0: and there were no issues or anything. No,
1: nothing. And then the okay.
0: had my
1: funeral, like a funeral for my aunt, and um, my mom was there and was fun. That was like, very nice. I mean, was two weeks across she got My family from Canada and Florida were here. And they flew in for that week. They all saw her. So honestly, when we called them, when it happened, they were like, literally, what the hell? We just saw her. I mean, that, that was everyone's grief. You know, like, I was so annoyed here. Mm. You know, we just saw her. You know, in the nail salon lady that I went to a month later. We just saw her. The hair lady. I mean, everyone, they think of their responses, but we just saw her. like, yeah, well, okay. I know, but, you know, and um, so you no, know, I didn't notice anything. And my mom was very active. She swam in the mornings at a local gym. She owned a daycare. She was always active, um, you know, and that's another thing. My, my mom used to own a daycare, so if she had back pain from picking up the kids too many times, like, yeah, how do you differentiate that back pain with a possible cancer diagnosis? Yeah. And, it's because and, you know, all these questions come out later on. But, so you know, I think it's, there are no answers right now, I guess. Um, if I had them I would I them, but I, I don't have them and it was a very, very fasty, you know, situation and which, you know, it's almost I say I'm thankful for it. I don't know and I give so many people credit to have a phone number that is fixed for weeks and months and years. Of constant doctor appointments, of constant treatments and surgeries. So I mean, that is also so hard. I dealt with that with my aunt and my and my grandmother. So I, I know the other side too. I know someone who's been sick for a long time. I know someone was sick like for two weeks, and you know, it's neither is good. Neither situation is good. You either have too much time and it's hard to watch, or you don't have any time and you sick too much. You know, so I don't know. It's really hard to say. Yeah, I, I, I don't. We, you
0: know. This is a conversation that we have often and I I chuckle a little bit um, and not out of disrespect, but I don't know what's easier or harder, you know, the the quick seven days or ten days you know, if that's easier to deal with because people don't suffer, they go to bed and they pass. And, and you know, before we we go any further though, Stephanie, we know that you know death is inevitable for all of us, right? We are gonna right, all are going to die at point, right? Right? Like, no one lives forever, and that's that's a reality of life. And no one really talks about that um, ever because it's not like a conversation you bring up uh, on a date oh, At the yeah. dinner table, like, hey, what do you think about death or dying? You know, like. It's usually at the very end, and, and you know it's a very taboo subject, and it's a very personal subject, and you know it's just something that I think is different for everyone and how they handle that stuff. So you know, there's uh, there's you know the quick, fast, easy from the patient standpoint, and then there's the long, suffering, battling, yo-yo, roller coaster long, prolonged uh, death uh, with this disease, uh, from the patient standpoint, right? But right. I think, though, from a caregiver's perspective, I don't think either one is easier, because I think, you know, I, I, I've come to realize this, I think in the eight years that we've done this, that you have families that see their loved ones suffer, you know, that goes on for a year and a half, goes on for three years, five years, sometimes, maybe longer as well, and, and they suffer, and they battle, and they, 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 they battle. Um, but they suffer a lot, and it's this constant roller coaster. I kind of use the analogy of Groundhog Day, the movie with Bill Murray, where every day you wake up and you think today's the day, right? Like today's going to be yeah. the day that it's either going to turn bad or it's going to turn great. Right. And then you have, you know, again, from the caregiver perspective, you have this, like, 10-day ordeal, which is just, like, shock and awe, you know, for those ten days, because you can't believe this is happening, and your loved one is, you know, gonna not gonna be there for that much longer, and then they just pass away peacefully, you know, in their sleep, right. you know, which is still traumatic and still dramatic, um, you know, from a from a experience standpoint for the caregiver. So, I, you know, I I don't think either is any easier. I mean, death is death, and, you know, when you lose a loved one, it's as traumatic how, you know, it doesn't matter how you lose them, I should say, it's still going to be the same type of trauma. I don't think anyone is ready to let go or say goodbye as much as, you know, even for my sake, I I thought that I had said and done everything with my dad because I, I did have three and a half years of him in my life, but it still wasn't easy. And I don't think the time, whether it's 10 days or three and a half years, really makes a difference, you know, because.
1: Yeah, no, I agree.
0: You know, I think I I used to have the mindset like, oh, 10 days, you know, that's actually probably pretty good. But it's probably not because it's as traumatic or maybe more traumatic because you don't get to say certain things. because you
1: don't even know. You know, like, yeah. that's if I knew. Yeah, there's not an okay, okay, expiration date on anyone. You know. Yeah, like, I guess, I you know, that's what somebody always that, uh, you know, I I get the question a lot. Like, if you knew, would you have done things differently? You know, would I have had her write down things? You know, or write have her? You know, tell me things that I would want to know about marriage, about having kid I mean, I a thought in my head, I mean, I yeah. I didn't even think it would be in this situation. You know, and that's one thing that I guess I didn't. You know, I remember. I was the week before she passed away. It was that Thursday. It was um, uh, it must have been Thursday. I guess February 19th, and um, the are diagnosed with a pancreatic cancer. And I googled it, right? Because again, I didn't know much about it. And the first thing I did was Google. And that was my biggest mistake. I remember the first, yeah. you know, line that said like, the survival rate, and I was like, well, this is good. You know, I was like. You know, my dad was like, close cool, the phone. I was like, I can't. Like, that number, I mean, the salary was like in my head. It was engraved in my head. So I had a feeling, not that I think that she was going to pass away a, a week later. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest. No, I thought we were going to have to just stick this out for a few months, you know, some chemo, some radiation, a surgery, and, you know, she'd be good to go. You know, that's what I thought. We were going to have a hell of a few months, and then that was it. So I was prepping for that. In the midst of prepping for that, you know, I feel like I could have been prepping, you know, for her not to be here. But who would think like that? Who would think that something like this would come into your life and take someone so quickly? I mean, I didn't for sure, and my family didn't. And, you know, if, if I only knew that she was going to pass a week later, I mean, I would have answered so many questions. But it came to a point, though, the Sunday, uh, before she passed away, she couldn't talk anymore. So it was mm-hmm. like, slowly deterioration. And you know, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think I would have changed anything honestly,
0: because there's not much to do. Well, hindsight's always twenty-twenty. First of all, right? Like that's that's again, yeah. you know, and and that's, you know, I, I, you can't kind of should have, could have, woulda, I guess I would say, you know, and that's always going to be the case in, in most things. So you can't think that way. Um, question for you, and this is a hard one stuff, but you know during that time, what was the hardest part of that time? Like knowing and then you know getting getting through the end, like what do you think was the hardest part during that same thing?
1: The hardest part, I'm trying to think, No, it was all so hard. I think you know, I'm such a selfless person. So I think the hardest part was watching my dad go through this. Because now, and the reason I say that, and it just goes to show who my character is about sharing for other people, is that, you know, she was my mom, right? So the person I was gone to, the person who cared for me, the person who made me soup when I was sick, I mean, I can make a list. But to my dad, that was his everything. You know, they were married for so many years, his, his love of his life, his partner in crime, you know, and to watch him go through this was devastating. I mean, still to this day, I, I see him and I, I'm mad for him because, you know, at least for me and my brothers, we're young. You know, we have things to look forward to. We have a husband and a wife to look forward to. We have children to look forward to and to spend the rest of our lives with them. But so for my dad, I feel like his life just came crashing right in front of him. He had no idea how to handle it. So I think watching kids go through this was devastating for me. That was the hardest part. I mean, what do you say to a dad who just lost someone that he was about to retire with and to travel the world with? I mean, what do you say? There's nothing to say. You know, and I think that was so hard for me to, and especially for me, I'm the only girl, right? And I remember my mom in so many ways, not only, you know, just my charismatic ways, you know, being so active like she was. You know, some people say that I, you know, act just like her and I say things just like her and, you know, of course, I'm her daughter and for my dad, it must be so hard, you know, having to, you know, be here without her. I mean, that, I think, was the hardest part. I mean, I knew that eventually I would be okay. I didn't know when it would happen. I didn't know how it would happen. You know, I didn't have those answers for me. I, I knew my brothers or six-and-girls, you know, they don't want to talk about things so I knew they would be okay in their own way. My dad, I mean, he's an older man who, you know, had a rest of his life planned out with this woman, and she just has gone. So I think that was my hardest thing.
0: What do you have for siblings? You have two brothers?
1: I have two older brothers, yep, and um, we're, we're close. We're a close family, you know. We grew up, you know, always having family dinners together. And so, again, it's just the, close, uh, the closest we have in our family. I think that's another thing, too, It's just... Um, we always grew up having between big parties and families, everything, and to stick to your family. And, you know, especially in a time like this, you have to find people that you can, you know, that's like my one thing. Um, I've had many friends, unfortunately, go through a similar experience that I have. And if they, they always ask me, you know, if I can give them a piece of find or a piece of, make best advice during a situation is you have to find people that will lift to up. And if someone tries to bring you down, then leave them there and move on. Mm-hmm. Because you are already so put down from what has happened to you that you need people that will literally lift you up. And that's the thing that, you know, I always take to heart, and I I, I really mean it. You, you know, you surround yourself with people who will make you better, and that's how you get better. You know, if you're going to find somebody that is going to bring you down and not supportive and doesn't help, I mean, that's, that's, that's not going to help. It's, it's not going to help at all.
0: Yeah, you, I always, well, I say a lot of things, but there's, you know, <laughs> the, the people that you're surrounded by can say a lot about a person, you know, probably the, the top five people that you would name off as friends, you know, can tell a lot about you, and, and being of an Italian ethnic and having brought up an Italian family culturally, groups are very similar. And I had a lot of Greek friends growing up that, you know, parents were, you know, that my friends were first generation, similar to how I am first generation. So culture was a very big part of the family. And I think that's one thing, I think, with the European culture is that something, you know, in times of stress and, you know, particular, you know, death, um, you know, those cultures tend to um, kind of stick tighter together, you know, I guess would be the term. I don't yeah. know. Like, you know, like the cousin that you haven't seen in – you know, nine months. But you know, when your mom passes, you know, they're there with you know, food more than likely, or you know, right. a, a, a drink, you know, or, or a shoulder to cry on. So it's it's pretty special right. to have those connections and have that family, and that's really important. And, um, and we're really protective over each other
1: too. Like, yeah. and, um I was very protective of my family and, and my friends too. You know, I was someone that said, you know, I All of a sudden, excuse me, they um they come in like, oh hey, how are you? Yeah, it would and you know that actually made me angry. <laughs> and um you know, and some people they they are comforted by that support. So you know, for me, it made me angry. Um, I, I'm one person to say, I say many things, but if you're not here for my worst days, you know, or you know, why are you doing my best day, or my best You know, I. We're fast, and I was working, that was so hard to cope with. I mean, you know, I sent out two text messages. I remember there were late people that I was constantly in contact with, and then I turned my phone on pilot and put it in my bag, and then hours later, I had hundreds of messages, 1,900, and I was overwhelmed, and I didn't even know where to start. It, was, it felt great, but at the same time, I was overwhelmed, and so much was happening, and so quickly, It, it, it you know, and. With the Greek culture, too, I think something that I struggled with was, um, you know, the memorial. So you do um, the 30-day memorial, and yep. then my dad did a three-month, and then a six-month, and then a year. And, then I, you know, I just felt like I was constantly being reminded of the broken heart that I have. And I was like, when is enough enough, you know? <laughs> like, when can I start to, start to on. try and be happy? Yeah. You know, I felt like I was just constantly I would move up like a space and then I would be up back, back to that slip with service. Then I would be up a space and then I would flip back again and, you know, that's something that I I write about too honestly is, you know, it's it, it's when you're ready. It's when you're when you're ready and and, and you feel most uh confident in yourself as you keep going. I mean no one can tell you when you're ready and I stress that so much but you can go to a therapist and they can tell you, okay, your flu is Oh, you're ready. But you might not be ready if no one knows sure so you're ready. And you are physically ready. I mean, you, you know, there were days where I just didn't even want to get out of bed. Why? I couldn't tell you. I think it was just one of those days. But you have to be able to get through those days and live through those days to make it to the good days, you know. There are days when I go through photo albums and I'm smiling. And I hope everyone gets to that point where you're able to sit through a memory and laugh and smile about it. But again, it's on your time. That's why grief is such a hard thing to talk about because my grief is from your grief and compared to my dad and my brothers, we're all different. And you know, although it's the same concept, we're still grieving over the same idea, it, it differs. Everything, single. not one person grief, the same, and that's what I think the heart
0: of is. Well, I think too, Seth, I think society, right? Like I think we're so used to the instantaneous Happy Meal or the instantaneous, yeah. you know, 64 ounces of, you know, whatever refreshing beverage that uh, makes our day, whether it's coffee or soda or some other beverage.
1: Yeah. I, I
0: think that's, you know, part of, uh, I think, where we've gone today in society. And um, you mentioned something with the writing, and I kind of want to, that's a great segue, this writing of yours, uh, which is truly impactful, and reading the words that you write, where does this come from?
1: Part of me that just wants to be, uh, you know, I want to be someone in this world that makes a difference. And I'm not just saying that to uh, cliche. You know, I don't want to make a difference and just, you know, make a difference. But I want, and in a topic that I feel as though not everyone gives enough attention to. I think grief is such a hard topic. You know, I studied psychology in, uh, in my undergraduate degree and. Every time grief came up on a topic of conversation, I got so defensive and I would bring up my personal experiences and said like, you cannot tell me how to grieve. It's nearly impossible, You can't. And I know there might be eight steps, and there's six steps when, you know, this therapist or this, back in the day, it doesn't matter. The person itself has to find what grieving means to them. And I think my way became in my writing and you know, I, uh, I think I just put, you know, uh, my head is when I'm focused, I'll just sit down and think about, okay, what made me bad today or what upset me today? And I think some of the things I think about is how, it uh, be one of the quotes that I wrote about it, like, um, can you heal? Like, can you ever go back to that normal life? Or, you know, can I ever be happy again? Or, you know, will I ever be able to sit in a conversation and, and talk about it? I mean, all these questions you know, all the answers vary from person to person. I think my writing just speaks it, my writing, I think, speaks the truth of the situation that nobody wants to say out loud. And I think I should say it. And when people read it, they're like, Wow, that's that's
0: true. Like you're so right. Well it's what everyone thinks about, right? But doesn't have the gumption to maybe put it on paper or to say it.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So you went to college, you were were you a writing major? So I'm just no, no. So, you weren't, <laughs> yeah. so you didn't major in writing, so this wasn't like Honestly, what you were doing in college. I hated
1: English. <laughs> yeah. I, I hated English. I hated writing papers, but I just came to the realization that when you find something that you believe in, and when you believe in something and you love and you have a passion for it, it no longer becomes a task. It becomes a hobby. Uh-huh. So I found that this is like a hobby of mine. I love knowing. So, for example, when I posted that article, 11 things I learned, That was comparing. And I started getting Facebook messages from strangers. Like I had no idea who they found me on Facebook. And this one girl really touched me. Uh, she had messaged me and started to like, you know, my name is so-and-so. You don't know me. I hardly know you. Uh, but someone shared your article to me. I lost my mom last night. And I just want to let you know that you helped me get through my first hardest day. I mean that I will never forget that. And I, I can win a million dollars, and that still over overpasses it for me because I helped someone get through that hardest night that I know what it's like. It didn't sleep, through crying, you know, on and off, was nauseous. It didn't want to wake up the next day. I mean, I know that feeling, and to know that my article helped someone get through that, just in you know a few hours, my day's made. By
0: day or well that, that's the special sauce in it, right? Like that's the special part of this that I think that, uh, that people sometimes, uh, don't see until they go through that uh-huh. process. So, um, very special stuff indeed. Where do you? So I, I'm really fascinated by this because you don't have, uh, you know, you didn't, you didn't major in writing. Um, it wasn't like you went to school for film editing or for for creating, you know, for screenwriting. I should say. And then, you know, you, you, you come up with this writing. So what are some of the things that you do now to kind of get into that mental state of writing about these certain subjects? Do you, I know okay. you have a pretty long commute, so I don't know if that is helpful or if that's harmful, or do you, like, veg out on, like, Saturday night and just, like,
1: yeah. grab a journal and just start writing? I, I think if I was an English major or I did something of that sort of uh I don't think that would be as passionate or successful or as true, right? Because some of my writing, the grammar isn't perfect and what I'm trying to say might not be in the best English language or uh, sentence structure, but I think that's the, the beauty of it, is the truth. I'm not looking to put a comma. I'm not looking to, you know, put an extra quotation mark. I'm looking to just write down what I want to say and then. On a Sunday morning, I like go to Starbucks. Uh, I just put in my, you know, Spotify Acoustic Sunday Morning Rise playlist, and I just think about how my week was, or, or think about me something that's coming up. So it's the thing that I've written about before is like how to get through a holiday. So um, everyone talks about the daily, right? The daily, how to get through the day. But what about a holiday? you would the elephant in the room. It's not one thing. You know, like let's talk about it. Going to be awkward. That's Thanksgiving dinner when one table, to think it's not there. Let's talk about it. You know, what can you do to make it through that, you know, 24 hours of a photo, of a, you know, sorry, sorry, but a shitty day? You know, and, and I think no one talks about it. Um, and again, I think something that's so important that you said uh, that I want to reiterate is you really don't know how to deal with it until it happens to you. I mean, and for any listeners that haven't gone through this and might have had a friend, have doesn't know. We don't expect you to know. You know, it I, I, I didn't know. I never knew how to people someone when they lost a grandmother or an aunt or an uncle. I was just saying along the lines that I'm sorry for your loss I'm you see you." I mean that's just what you do, right? I but from someone who's on the other side and I hate that thing. Don't tell me that. <laughs> I hate it. Because <laughs> I I'm really sorry for my loss and I and I
0: know here for me but, you know,
1: and, and I think people need to understand too. If you haven't been through this, that's okay. Like, that's the honesty of it. That's the duty that you haven't been through this. You're lucky right now because you haven't. So help me get through it. Let's talk about it. But how could I make Monday through Friday not be so hard for me? How could I make, you know, a mother's day not so hard or a father's day or a birthday? And and I think those things need to be talked about.
0: That's, uh, I, that's pretty powerful stuff. I have never thought about that, but that is so... On point, Steph, what you just said uh, about the holidays.
1: And I think for me also, I mean, I get it hard in December, right? I'll be honest. My mom's birthday is the 21st. I celebrate Christmas. That's the 24th and 25th. And then you have the new year, which is also a minute because here you, you are ending another year of them not being here. And if I can start another year with them not being here. Yeah. So it's like, how are you supposed to get through that awful month? I mean, how am I supposed to say on her birthday I'm okay or? On, on Christmas Side of the Gifts that says two moms lost your favorite daughter he has upset, and you know, and I, in my writing I tell the truth behind it. Like you're not you're you're gonna be upset and, and that's okay for that's you know, I want people to know that it's okay to be upset, it's okay to cry, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not even want to do things because I expect that and I think uh People think that they need to be the strong person. Now, I suppose my own advice. I mean, look at me, I always you them everyone else's strong person, but I'm not my own worst yeah. Um. But I have to say, like, I have to on the world and I put it on my shoulders, and that's how I've always been, and I and I will never change. That's just how I am. And I mean, look at, you know, I think back to the question that you asked me, like, what was the hardest part during my mom's very brief illness? And I didn't even say anything about me, I said about my dad. So, yeah. You know, it, that is just. Something that I want to live with, like, I look at other people and, and I love being able to help people. So if my writing, you know, if someone was on the blog one day and read the post, you know, on Project Circle and says, you know, Stephanie's writing really helped me, I mean, that's fabulous. That's absolutely fabulous.
0: Yeah, you just never know who you're going to touch and when you're going to touch them, right? And I think the one blog that, you know, reading and, and seeing you write over the past couple of years, because we've been in contact. I don't know if you remember, but I, I think I reached out to you when your first blog, or not your first, but one of the blogs that hit the Huffington Post. And, uh, yes. we became friends on, on social media and stuff like that. And uh, the Broken Crayons one to this day, um, I will share with you, like I, I think when I read that, I was like pretty down. You know, I mean, we, it's been seven years, and it has been closed, right? No one's superhuman. and but reading that was just so touching, and I remember sharing that on one of our uh, private pages that we have on social media for our former runners, our alumni page that we call it, and uh, man, that just like hit a home run with everyone, and it's just so like, nothing like rocket science, but I think it was just very thoughtful and just very poignant at the time for me, but just so totally on point with everything and uh, just really really inspirational so thank you for for having the courage to do that and really 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 fascinating so Steph uh, one last question for our listeners at home and this has been awesome and we hope to have you on again at some point in the future maybe breaking down some other topics and maybe even having you live in the studio versus from afar but uh Where can our listeners find you? So if people want to look at your former blogs, or you know, naturally, we've got some of your newer stuff on the Project Purple website, which is projectpurple.org. And you just look over in your community and under blog, and you can get to Seth's blogs here at Project Purple. But there's a ton of other content that you've written throughout the years. And where could our listeners at home find that and get in touch with you possibly?
1: Called broken crayons, so colored, dot org. Um and I really try. I'm still working on it, updating it more frequently. Um, on there, there, my favorite part of my blog is this page called Ask Steffi, and you can. It, it's not, you know, you can make it anonymous. You can leave me a name and a phone number or email, and you can ask me any question, and I can hopefully try to answer it. Um, I'm very honest. I um, have done some really great questions on there about you know, debt and, and coping, and uh, so that's the best way. Um, also, uh, my Instagram is public. Anyone can find me on there. Um, ideally, I'm, I'm not a private Christian, so I'm very me you on you know, Google. You'll probably find me just um, because I want to know and show people that I am an open book, literally, and I'm here to help someone else's day be a better one.
0: Well, thank you, Steph, for being on our podcast and thank you for your words of inspiration that we've been able to share and all your other stuff. I, I think it's been awesome that uh, you've taken something really, really negative and turned it into an amazing positive and an inspiration for so many people out there. You've been a pleasure to have on the podcast or at Project Purple. And like I said, we hope to have you on in the future. So thank you for all you do. Thank you for the inspiration. And uh, Thank you once again for taking some time and being on our show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. You guys are awesome. And stuff like this is is how people like me get through the day. So, really, I appreciate you so much.
0: You're awesome, Steph. Thank you.